everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Stories of Us. I'm your host, Shree Pinretti. Today, I'm here with Ethan Collier. Ethan is the president of GenUp San Diego, the development director for Coalesce 4, and the policy direction director for Generation Ratify California. Thank you so much for being here, Ethan. Thank you for inviting me on to your show. I'm super excited. So tell me a little bit about how you got more politically involved and decided to be an advocate. Well, my first topic of interest, I guess, for political advocacy was educational equity. Mm -hmm. Seeing my mom, my mom's a teacher and she was my biggest inspiration. She's always been like vocal about the flaws in the education system and what we need to improve on. So I've always took that in and really just, I really internalized it. And I thought we really do need to fix something. So as I got older, um, I was still a very shy kid when I was growing up. But then when I got older and I joined um, this organization known as the California Association of Student Councils, um, it really opened my eyes to that students do have a voice and they can really make a change in their community. So I learned very quickly that we do have a voice and it inspired me to, I guess, break out of my shell more and really advocate for educational equity and LGBTQ human rights and just and the various topics of the world, such as like more civic participation amongst our youth and gender equality. So, yeah. Great. And I think a lot of the issues that you talked about are, they're really important in our society, but oftentimes some issues can be really politically divisive. Mm -hmm. And we're often taught to, you know, don't talk politics, avoid the conversations. But especially with the Black Lives Movement going on, why do you think it's so important to have discussions and conversations about different political perspectives? I feel that, um, you know, in order for us to advance with our intelligence and with us as people, we must put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, if you know what I mean. We have to talk about the things that are considered um, more or less taboo and that are not considered like the norm and things that are of sensitive topic because we need to learn more and we need to gain those different perspectives. And um, just, it's always been seen as like, you know, sometimes different political perspectives always conflict and, you know, right. it leads to various conf conflicts personally with people. But if we put ourselves in those uncomfortable situations and really dive in and just talk and have that dialogue about what's going on in our world, we can really advance ourselves as advocates and as humans and as people and learn more about the world around us. Yeah, and I ultimately think about like any policy decision or social issue, it's that people want what's best for the world. It's just the approach of deciding what's best for the world differs from perspective to perspective. So I yeah. think like, like you said, like having conversations and internalizing, well, what is the best approach to, you know, make the best world and good world? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's how we're, where we can connect. Yeah. So uh, another point about having these conversations is that you need to be really open-minded. So mm -hmm. what do you think everyone can do to actively try to be open-minded and more receptive to political discussions? The main thing I would say is you need to lead with an open heart and open ear, and that can ultimately lead you with an open mind. So being open hearted means being more vulnerable, allowing yourself to really dive into other perspectives. And you know, you may not necessarily agree with them, but it's just, you have to be vulnerable with others and show them that right. you are human, you have emotions and you have opinions and they will show you that too as well. And then with an open ear, it's just listening very carefully to their perspectives and showing that you are paying attention to them, you understand and you acknowledge their opinions and that will ultimately lead you to have a more open mind and just really learn to more or less respect the opinion that they have and learn more about the um, maybe 
either it's opposing or the same perspective. Either you're learning more about the same perspective that you are on, or you learn more about an opposing perspective and maybe you will think, begin to think, I never really saw it, saw it that way. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, and I think that's absolutely correct for any political issue. Like policy is really complex because the certain implications of this certain type of law or legislation may have other negative repercussions. And only when a person can understand the pros and cons and all the different perspectives can we like avoid any negative impacts of a certain legislation. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree with that. And so another thing is, why do you think it's important, especially for our generation, to be more politically involved and advocate for issues we believe in? Um, mainly because we are who are, well, we are the generation that will inherit this planet. We must yeah. become more politically involved in order to make the change that you know was built upon in the previous um, eras of the history of our world. For example, with the LGBTQ rights movement. Um, you know, we first had the Stonewall riots, which was um, a huge series of riots in New York City at the Stonewall Hotel, which led us to have the rights that we are gained today as LGBTQ people. And we also need to just really build upon what the people before us and the advocates before us, the generations before us have built and really expand upon it and just really dive into it and show that we are a generation that is rising up and taking the charge and leading the world to a better future. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So talking more on Gen Up, so talk to me about what Gen Up's main goal is and what are the problems that are currently facing the education system or specifically in California? So um, Gen Up is a newly founded statewide organization. So I lead the Gen Up San Diego chapter overseeing all schools, district, school, schools and school districts within San Diego County. So that's like over 100 schools in various districts. So basically what GenUp is, is a grassroots advocacy organization for educational equity and change. So making changes to the education system to better the education for the rising generation of students. So some of the issues that I've really seen here in San Diego where I go to school is equity. You know, there was a huge issue when distance learning first started with COVID-19 of providing technological resources to students in low income areas. A lot of students don't have access to Wi-Fi. A lot of students don't have access to um, laptops or the resources needed for um, them to be able to effectively participate in distance learning. So something that I've noticed with my school district is that my superintendent, who's been like a huge mentor to me this past year, she instilled a policy of do no harm grading. That's something that I believe like all school districts should, should have done during the COVID-19 situation when distance learning was first becoming more of a thing. And just making sure that students do have that access. But another thing is funding. Without proper funding, school districts don't, are not able to provide enough resources. So the main thing that I've noticed in California is we need more funding. We are one of the lowest states to have funding for education. And I believe that if we were able to have a little bit more funding and a little bit more resources, we'd be able to provide all schools and districts a significantly high caliber of education. Right, and I think that's really important because I guess my perception of California as a non-Californian is that there are certain schools like private schools that have an immense amount of resources, but at the same time, like you suggested, areas like San Diego may not necessarily have the same amount of funding or resources to have the educational caliber. It really does depend though on the community. Like for example, I live in East County of San Diego and that is a more conservative area politically. Whereas I go to school in the South Bay of San Diego, and that is a more liberal area, and it's a border community. 
but that community as well has schools that don't necessarily have the proper resources for their students. I can name at least five schools within my school district that have over 80% of students below the poverty line, actually. So it's very important to recognize the differences within the community and really we need to make change personalized to their communities and give them equitable resor resources in an equitable amount, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's really important. I never really knew that, that, um, that there was like some schools that had 80% of students below the poverty line. That's really surprising to me. Yeah, it's, it can be, you know, it's very surprising when I first learned it too, because I didn't really think the numbers were very high myself. And then when I, when I became a student board member and I was given those resources to look into like how many students, what's the percentage of a school population below a poverty line, it was absolutely astonishing to see like, like schools had like 60, 70, even 80 or 90% below the poverty line. Right. That's absolutely right. And knowing this issue at hand, how, what, what experiences or initiatives have you led as the president of the San Diego chapter to kind of bridge that gap? So as of right now, we are planning several things. So the first thing is our Student for Educational Equity Coalition with GenUp statewide. Um, so that is a letter that a bunch of students have created to be sent to Governor Gavin Newsom to advocate for more educational funding within the California state budget, and then sending one to the U US federal government as well for the same thing, more educational funding. Um, so that's one of the things we're actually working with GenUp statewide. But locally here in San Diego, the first major event that we are planning is our webinar series. The first webinar we will tackle is educational equity in the wakes of COVID-19 and just honing in on like what we needed to improve on during then looking back, if that makes sense. And then from there on, my team and I were just planning a series of events to really hear from the students on what's going on with their communities and their schools and just advocating for the change that is needed in order to make their schools better. Right, yeah. I really must commend you on your work because I think education equality, when as like as students, we that's not something that we really consider. Like we consider either ourselves really fortunate to go to really good schools um, or as unfortunate when we don't have enough resources, but we really don't compare ourselves to the amount of resources that we have in comparison to like another school per se. So it's really, I'm really, I really commend you for taking a lead yeah. on that. Thank you. Um, my inspiration actually was from my mom. Like I mentioned this earlier, but my mother is a huge inspiration to me. She's a fifth grade teacher and has taught in the elementary school system for 22 years, started off as a school counselor and she worked with lower income communities and saw the struggles that they face. And then when I was also working for the California Association of Student Councils, I saw the caliber of education of the other students that were in the program. And, you know, they go to schools, you know, within Orange County and Los Angeles that are very competitive and rigorous academically and have better resources than the school where I come from. It's less of a caliber of education. There's not a lot of resources. So it's really interesting to see like the allocations and where they go. And I wonder if like, is it a location-based thing or is it just because there's just not enough resources to go around or, and that's one of the main questions that has guided me to lead the Gen Up chapter actually. Right. And I guess I'm curious about how being low income, like obviously it's difficult to focus on your education, but how, how do you see that being low income and not having enough resources has affected the education of such students? Well, the main thing is they unfortunately do not have enough opportunities. You know, um, the one thing that I've seen is like the QuestBridge program really benefits students that have, are in those situations where they do not have a re enough resources and they are in low socioeconomic status. However, 
not a lot of students have access to what QuestBridge is, for example, and they just don't have access to those, re to those opportunities to grow upon their knowledge. A lot of them do end up not going to a four-year university or don't even go to college at all because they just don't know how to apply for college. Like, say, for example, you have a first-generation student, very low socioeconomic status, who may not have enough resources at their school to apply for college and may not have enough may not have support at home, therefore they may fall through the cracks, but that's not always the case, of course. Sometimes though, schools do work with the resources that they have and they really help provide the student with the chance to grow, but some schools unfortunately don't have enough resources to help the student. And that's something that I've always wanted to see fixed is we need to provide the resources to all the schools to make sure they can help every single one of their students go to college. Right, exactly. Or, or wherever per pathway they pursue, it's not just college, of course. You know, we have the military and as well as like, to um, JC colleges or junior colleges, like whatever pathway they choose, schools yeah. just need to be provided with the resources to equip, to equip the student to feel empowered to pursue the pathway that they want to that will make them more successful in life, of course. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And another organization that you work for or initiative is Coalesce for. Mm -hmm. So Coalesce for is focused on increasing youth voter turnout. So talk to me about some of the issues surrounding voting or its decreased accessibility. The main thing as well, it comes down to socioeconomic status. You know, a lot of areas may not have enough polling places. A lot of areas may not have, be accessible, if that makes sense. You know, we have polling places here in San Diego that a lot of people cannot access and maybe they can get a mail-in ballot. So there's a de there has been decreases in like um, the lower income areas of voting. And unfortunately, it does affect, you know, voter counts. And those areas are not represented in the votes, which is very unfortunate, which is something that when I joined Coalesce for, I actually wanted to address and fix because I believe that all areas, regardless of their socioeconomic status, should be represented in the votes for the next generation, the rising of our political leaders. Like, talk to me about some of the projects and initiatives Coalesce for is leading to kind of bridge that gap with lower voter turnout. So as of right now, we are leading an initiative. We're going to be working with the College Board to sort of have the SAT registration become a voter pre-registration, if that makes sense. So students who register for the SAT and are under age of 18 would be automatically pre-registered within their state. Of course, it's a huge project to take under, but we're working on it day by day. And as well as we've just been working with other various organizations, the main thing I would say is our college board initiative. So making sure the students do have access to voter registration or voter pre-registration through their SAT registrations. That's actually really, it's a really good idea. I never really thought about that. I mean, I, I don't support College Board on most of their initiatives, but this is something that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess the another organization that you also work with is Generation Ratify, which focuses on the Equal Rights Amendment. So talk to me a little bit about the goal of Generation Ratify. So the goal of Generation Ratify is to educate and empower and help students become advocates for gender equality within their own communities. So the ERA has been ratified in several states across the California, but not all of them. So the ERA will benefit all people like me of the nation and making sure that they have access to equal rights within the US and are treated as equal citizens. There's no bias on their gender or sexual orientation or gender identity or things like that. So of Generation Ratified should just advocate and empower students to make the change within their community on gender equality. And the ERA or the Equal Rights Amendment, why do you think it's so important to enforce in our American society right now? Because I think a lot of the pushback is the Constitution already kind of guarantees, in a way, a sense of equality. But why is it important to take this extra step in ensuring that every person in the United States has equality? Unfortunately, equality is still a real issue within our nation. 
Um, we've seen it right now with police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, people are still not being treated with equal respect and dignity. And I believe the ERA, especially on the basis of gender, race, sexual orientation, whatever it may be, it's absolutely necessary to ensure that all people within the United States are treated with the same respect and caliber as anybody else that would live in this nation. So, yeah. Um, and as a policy director for Generation Ta Ratified, talk to me a little bit more about your role and how you contribute to the chapter. So my role as a policy director is to just really hone in on contacting our federal representatives and making appointments with them to speak to them about the ERA and why they should support it, and as well as educating others about the history of gender equality rights, uh, just gender equality reform within California and as well as the nation. So you obviously work with a lot of different organizations so, and had a lot of different really cool experiences. So tell me about a meaningful experience that like changed your perspective. I guess a meaningful experience was when the first encounters of like discrimination that I faced, you know, mm -hmm. becoming an advocate and being a student leader. So my school's ASB, for example, is not very, I guess, tolerant towards the LGBTQ community as an openly LGBTQ person. I faced a lot of discrimination at my school for who I was and okay. learning about this and learning about like how I could make a change. It empowered me to make a change because I want to live in a world one day where it's like, we are not discriminating on the basis of who we are. Right. We are a society that is equal and we love each other like family type of deal. I want to live in a world where no one feels that they are unsafe in their situation. I want to make sure that everybody, like I want to contribute to a rising generation that is on the basis on the principles of love and acceptance of all people, regardless of who they are. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think in a way, a lot of the discrimination or, you know, adversity that we face has been ingrained in us due to the remnants of history. And I think a lot of our perspectives are in a way subconsciously still based on that. So I, how would you suggest like when there's multiple different political perspectives, what is the best approach to have good conversations with people? Because especially I think a scenario that happened in my family was that we were discussing about the Black Lives Movement and with my parents and it was always a pushback of, but look at the protest. Maybe if the protest didn't happen that way, then they would be treated more equally. But it's kind of like you're missing the point. So how do you suggest like approaching such difficult conversations? The main thing, and we meant, and I believe I mentioned this earlier, was opening your heart, opening your eyes right. and, ears and your mind, really approaching with compassion and acknowledgement of the opposing perspective and saying that I acknowledge your um, perspective and I may have not seen it in this way, but here's what I believe and here's what I believe that is that what is what whatever the situation may be showing and just listening to the other person, having that dialogue going back and forth of just like, right. this is what's going on in our world and how do we see it as different people and what is our perspective on it and just listening and really diving in with our just open communication skills. Um, right. Yeah, just being open about communicating and really like being just open. Like all I can describe it is just being open about open, like yeah. others. And I think I love how you say to be compassionate because I feel like a lot of times when political perspectives differ, we get so defensive that we forget that 
there is not necessarily a correct side to anything, but rather just different ways to approach it. And everyone is just trying to figure out how can we resolve the situation where the most people benefit. Yeah, definitely. I've just always, like, that's my, like, my personal principles that I was raised with is you may not necessarily agree with someone, but if you approach them with compassion, you mm-hmm. are still acknowledging their opinion and just, you may not agree with it, but you, it's not, you must always acknowledge the opposing opinion as well. Right. It's absolutely right. And definitely over a lot of your experiences, you probably experienced a lot of adversity and had to overcome from it. So talk to me about an experience um, where you experienced a setback and kind of how you overcame it. I guess the main thing that I can really like talk about is, you know, my experience with discrimination as a Latinx person and openly LGBTQ person as well. Mm -hmm. Just being that identity enough and where I go to school is very, it's not very common, I would say. It's like a taboo in a way to be openly LGBTQ and being, you know, the first ever openly LGBTQ person appointed to the position of student board member for my school district was a major landmark for my school district and facing the adversity that I got this year from my during my term from school from like other students some teachers and even my school administration was well not all administration but some it was very eye-opening to the fact that you know people still approach with a closed mind of like the progressiveness that is going on in our world and how can we better like have that conversation with them and make that dialogue and better I guess educate them on like what's going on and like acknowledge their perspective while explaining how our perspective is being viewed so I guess the major setback was like the discrimination I faced as like an openly LGBTQ person openly LGBTQ advocate and really just honing in on like just myself as a person right Right. And so one of the lessons or skills that you said was really important was communication. So tell me about what other important qualities you think a leader or advocate should have. The main thing is resilience, I believe. Mm -hmm. Like I'm personally a very resilient person. I've gone through a lot in my life personally, and I've risen up from each setback in each event that has put me back much, uh, that has put me back. And I've just risen up and really just honed in on myself and pushed forward no matter what, because in the end, like, I want to be my own empower while empowering others. Um, Another skill that I believe a leader should have or an advocate should have is just, like, uh, other than communication, it's just kindness. If you're Mm -hmm. leading with just a self, with the expectation of self-benefit, like, I believe, like, a lot of student leaders, not a lot of student leaders, but I do believe that there are some student leaders who lead with the with the expectation of self-benefit that it's just going to benefit them, you know, with college apps, which is right, great, right. unfortunately, but you can't lead like that. You need to lead with kindness and compassion and show that you care about your community. You care about what is going on in the world around us. And, and when you lead with this kindness and compassion, you mm-hmm. can inspire others to do the same as well. Um, like when I was, um, I was served as the region 12 president prior to serving in Colas for, so I was the Region 12 president so representing San Diego and Imperial Counties for the California Association of Student Councils. And I had that mantra, I guess, in me of leading with kindness and compassion and being a team player for the cabinet I served and mentoring them as they guided throughout the year with their activities in CASP and just helping them grow as leaders while making change within our community. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And kind of on that experience, I guess... How do you 
um, inspire other people? Because a lot of people say lead by example. Is that like the main thing that you found works or is there other things that, you know, kind of inspire others as well? Lead with love mm-hmm. and lead by example are my two. Lead with love, take others up. They were your own type of deal, like mentor them, make, make sure that they're okay, you know, emotionally, physically, whatever it may be. Just be there. Be, don't be like a boss. Be right. A- be a friend for them. You mm-hmm. be a friend, be encouraging them, have their back whenever, because in the end they will have your back too. And then right. lead by example, lead with your actions and show what they should do and model it for them so that they will repeat the behavior or the action as well. Um, I've always led with love because, you know, I've always wanted to help others and make them better people as well while helping myself become a better person too. Right, right. That's amazing. And kind of winding down on this conversation, what's next for you? What are your future aspirations? Um, I've always been so, I guess the word is, I've always been debating on it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what's next for me because I'm interested in so many things. Like right now, I'm taking two courses at a local community college on communications and psychology. And I'm thinking about going into possibly therapeutic, therapeutic and mental health advocate advocacy but as well I want to hone in on like the skills that I've had with education policy and maybe becoming a legislator that advocates for educational policy or just there's a various there's a lot of different pathways that I'm still thinking about but the main one that I've always had since I was a kid um because of my mom was being a teacher right I want to teach others I want to make the change in someone's life that they might not necessarily have at home I've seen the impact my mother has on her students as an ELD or English language development teacher and how she can take her students from not knowing English at all to being almost close to fluent in the language by the end of the year. I want to be that change in someone's life and make sure that they have the resources and tools necessary to become better, better, I guess, better people in our society. And just, I want them to know that they have a contributing passion or a contributing place in our society and I just always wanted to lead others to help them make a change in our world while making a change within themselves. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ethan, for this conversation. You've been really inspiring and I love everything that you said and what inspires you and how you inspire others. You're very sweet, Sheree. Thank you so (laughs) much for inviting me onto your show. I was a, it was a huge honor. I was not expecting it at all. (laughs) Thank you.